Welcome to the New City Fellowship West End Sermon Podcast. We hope and pray this message equips, empowers, and encourages you. And now, today's sermon. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. So we're starting a new series today. And this is going to carry us through the summer into September, and it's really based on this chapter of the Bible. Some of you heard this chapter referred to as the Hall of Faith, because it lists all of these different people that live by faith in the Old Testament. So what we're going to do in the series is we're going to take it one part at a time, looking at the different events and the people that are mentioned there. So on the one hand, we're going to get through the summer really kind of an Old Testament survey. Really, we're going to go through and learn a lot of the Old Testament and a lot of what these people did. But even more than that, I don't know what you're going through in your life today, what you've been going through, what you will be going through. But my guess is no matter what you're going through, there's going to be somebody in this list who has been where you are, child or adult, whoever you are. There's somebody you're going to find that's been exactly where you are right now. And so we want to draw encouragement from that. These people are literally our cloud of witnesses that are going before us, but also that are cheering us on as we live by faith. That's the the theme today is living by faith. That's the call today. And we'll just be in the first three verses of Hebrews 11. And, uh, and then we're also going to be getting into Genesis chapter 1 a little bit too because that's ref- what's referred to today. But I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. Hear now the reading of God's word. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Kids, this is your verse. The conviction of things not seen. For by is the people, excuse me, for by if the people of God received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is God's word. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word that it's literally, it's a lamp unto our feet and it's a light unto our path. So Lord, we thank you for the light of the word that we come to today. So shine your light upon us so that you call us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here and thank you for for being with us already. We're continuing in worship now as we come to the message. Continue to move in us and through us. And we pray that what we want, we want to understand the words we talk about, but, but not just that. We also want to be able to live in light of them. Lord, we want to be changed. We want the people around us to be loved to a greater degree because of what you do in us. And so we pray that you do that today. You do it for your glory. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I know Sam is a basketball fan, and I I think we have a few others. Maybe one of the things that you'll notice as you're watching a game, you can go ahead and put that picture up. And maybe some Denver fans are happy that they won the championship this week. But sometimes you'll notice that momentum is going in one direction. And what the coach will do 
is they will call a timeout. And they will bring everybody over to the side, right? And what they'll do is they, the people that are in the game, you sit down in a chair. And then the people that are not in the game, they surround you kind of as a huddle. And the coach will get down in a knee right there in front of the people that are in the game. And at first, he's right there and he's drawing up strategy. But then at the very end, he's trying to motivate you. He's trying to speak to your hearts. He's saying, you can do this. Don't give up. Don't quit now. You've worked too hard. Don't turn back. Get back in there. And now everybody put your hand in on the count of three. Win. One, two, three. Win. And then they go in and everybody's like, yeah, let's go. All right. Well, I told you before that the, the writer of Hebrews, I think it's a black preacher, at least in chapter 11, because what he does is he lists a witness all the time. He's like, can I get a witness? And he lists them all through there. But at the end of chapter 10, he's a basketball coach. Because if you go to the very end of the chapter, he's got the people in the huddle because they were ready to give up, the people that were receiving this message. And he gathers them around and he says, listen, y'all, you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you receive what was promised. And then he quotes from the Bible. He says, a little while the coming one will delay, will come and not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in them. And then he turns to them, he says, but we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, are we? And they're like, no. Then he says, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now get out there and go win it. That's what he's doing right here. And what he does in chapter 11 is he's turning back and he's saying, look up in the stands. Look up in the rafters, rather. Do you see all those jerseys that have been retired? Those are all the saints that have gone before you, that have been in the place where you are. So you can look to them. They're your witnesses to let you know that you can make it to whatever you're going through today. They're calling us to live by faith. Now, there's a lot of times we come, maybe we're in need of a timeout. <laughs> maybe we're ready to quit. We're ready to give up. Some of them in that context, they were saying, you know what? I'm ready to go back to my old way of life. Anybody ever feel like that? They're like, following Jesus is too hard. It was easier before I tried to follow Jesus. At least I had money then, right? But now I'm following Jesus and it's all messed up. I, it, I just feel like giving up. And he's writing to those people. Maybe somebody here, maybe somebody is going through that. Even today, you feel like turning back. You're wondering, is it worth it to stay in? Is it worth it to keep going? Is it worth it to keep loving when it doesn't seem like it's doing any good? Is it worth it to keep on witnessing when it seems like nobody's listening? Is it worth it to keep living for God when nobody else is around you? And what he does is encourage us to keep doing that. The people in this chapter that we're going to look at, they suffered injustice they knew what it was like to wait on God for a long time, wondering when he was going to answer a promise. They knew what it was like to be called to something that was impossible for them to do in and of their own strength. They knew what it felt like to deal with temptation. They knew what it felt like to have to come up from a difficult past that they wouldn't want anybody else to know about. They knew what all of that was, and he called them to live by faith. So what do we learn about that today as we try to do the same thing. There's three things that we're going to look at very quickly today. 
very simply, we want to look at what faith is and then what faith receives and then finally what faith does, right? Just in those first three verses, we're going to look at what faith is and what faith receives and then what faith does. Is that all right? Is that all right? It's storming outside. You can't go anywhere anyway, so let's, let's go ahead and get in there. So first, what faith is? And he gives a definition right here in the first verse. What does he mean by faith? Faith is the assurance of things hopeful and the conviction of things not seen. It's the assurance of things hoped for and it's the conviction of things not seen. What it's describing is a belief to the extent of complete trust and reliance. And I'm going to give us a lot of illustrations to illustrate what I mean. Some of you learned this verse in the old King James Version. You can put that next verse up. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Anybody heard that before? And it's the evidence of things not seen. Do you remember that? There's a song. It says, blessed assurance. What? Jesus is mine. And then what does it say? Oh, what a foretaste. Do you see that? Of glory divine. It's saying you got Jesus now, but that's just a foretaste of what's coming. And you're looking forward to what's coming by faith. Now, kids, I wanted to try to illustrate what I mean by faith. And so I want to tell this story. Adults, y'all have heard this before, but don't spoil it. All right? For the kids, for a sec. I, I, it's a story about these two little boys that are playing catch, right, with a football in their backyard. And they live right on back of, of, a, of a lake that's right, right behind their, their house. And their father is out there with them, and the phone rings. And this is before the days of cell phones. Can you imagine that? So if you want to use the phone, you had to actually go in the house, right, to use the phone. Y'all like, that's crazy. I don't remember that. Seriously, that, that actually happened. Well, the phone rings, and the father has to go into the house to answer it. And he says to the boys, don't get near the water. Don't get near the water, because he knows they don't swim that well. And so he goes in the house to get on the phone, and the boys start throwing, and y'all know what they do. They get closer and closer to the water, and the ball goes in the water, and one of the boys goes in on the dock to grab it, and he falls in. And his brother runs in the house to get dad, and dad runs out and jumps in the water and starts running, looking, looking, looking to find his son. And he's looking and looking, he can't find him. And then finally he looks over and he sees his son holding on for dear life to one of the posts on the dock. And so he goes over and grabs him and brings him out of the water and he hugs him and he's so glad to have him alive. But then he says, listen, you know I'm getting ready to spank you, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he says, before I spank you, I just want to ask you something. What was it that kept you holding on like that? And he said, Daddy, I held on because I knew you would come. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about faith. Is you hold on. You don't know when he's coming. You don't know how he's coming. But you know that he's good and that he's coming. See, some of y'all that have interviewed for jobs, your employer has to exhibit faith, don't they? Because what do they say, right? They say, what's the best indicator of future performance? Previous performance, right? They look at your resume. They call your references to see what you've done in the past. And they're, put, they're hiring you in faith. 
that you're going to keep on living that way in the future. That's the same thing. As you think about it right now, all of you are exhibiting faith right this moment. And you're like, how? By listening to you? What, what, no, not that. I mean by sitting in the pew right now. Now, you didn't build the pew. You don't know where it came from, all of that stuff. But you're sitting there trusting that it's able to hold you. And so you put your seat there. That is a demonstration of faith that is going to hold you. And so that's what he's talking about when he's talking about what faith is. Now, before we go on, what can we take away? Let me say this. Faith is not the absence of thinking. Faith is not the absence of of thinking. Did you hear in verse 3? We'll get to that later. But it says, by faith we understand. Right? We're thinking. That's not where it ends, but it begins with thinking. It's not saying I'm going to throw away thinking and just believe. No, it's saying believe based on what you've seen. What you've seen God do already. There's a, a song, an old hymn. The line says, and when I think, right, he's thinking. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. And then what happens? And then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. You see that? But it starts with thinking. Right? There's an old song that says, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, somebody knows what I'm talking about. It makes my soul cry out, hallelujah, and I thank God for saving me. It started with thinking. Do you see that? It doesn't stop there, but, but that's where it starts. That's what faith is. Do you remember last illustration? I know there's a lot of them in here. When Jesus calms the storm, right, with the guys in the boat. You remember what he said to them, at least in Luke's version? He said, where is your what? Faith. He didn't say, how come you didn't have more? He said, where is it? Where are you putting it? Where are you sitting, your seat? What are you trusting in? Are you trusting in what your eyes can see and what your mind can conceive Are you trusting in the fact that the master of the storm is in the boat with you? So let me ask you today, where is your faith today? Where is your faith right now? Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I'm on the way. I'm searching. Praise be to God that you're here and that you had the courage to come. Praise God for that. The good news is that if you're seeking after God, what that means is he's already seeking after you. Praise be to God. Or maybe you're saying, I know God, but I'm struggling, right? I'm wavering. I'm like the guys. I know it's Jesus, but I'm still scared of the storms, right? We pray that he would encourage and strengthen our faith today and and every time that we talk about this. This is what faith is. Now, let's keep moving. Secondly, We want to look at what faith receives, what faith receives. And what I mean by that is in verse 2. For by it, by faith, the people of old, and who's he talking about when he says that? The Old Testament people that he's going to talk about in the rest of the chapter. They received their commendation. They received their commendation. 
Why? Well, if you go to that next verse, it actually wasn't one of the verses I read. This is in verse 6. Because the commendation, you know who the commendation came from? From God. God is commending them. Why? Look at verse 6. We'll get to this again in a few weeks. But look at this. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. And I'm going to read the rest of the verse, but I want you to think about what's implied by this. What's implied by what is here in God's word. He says, for whoever would draw near to God. What is that implying? It's implying that God wants you. He wants me to draw near to him. He says, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So if you want to please God, draw near to him, believing two things, that he's real and that he's good. Is there anybody that believes that yet or do we need to keep on going? Do you believe that he's real today? Is there anybody that believes that he's good today? Well, let's keep going. All right. We'll see. They received their commendation. I forgot to tell you what that means. What does that mean? To commend somebody means to vouch for them, to speak well of them. Literally, the word, it means to bear witness to them. It's the same word for, for testify to them, right? We've talked about the fact sometimes we have testimony service, right, where the people stand up. And, and old school, they would say, you know, what? I'm just glad to be in the house of the Lord just one more time, when, <laughs> when they say, right? And then they say, well, I just want to thank the Lord and, and my, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit in whom I, we live and move and have our being. And then they'll testify about whatever God has done in their lives. They're commending God when they do that. But what is the verse saying? It's saying God is commending them. So God is saying, oh, it's testimony service? Hold on. I believe I'll testify while I have a chance. I just want to stand up and let you know how much I love my servant Job. Look at him. Isn't he good? What do you notice about him? But not just Job. He also says, I want you to see my servant Geraldine. And I want you to see my servant, Marshall. And I want you to see my servant, Gordon. And I want you to see my servant, Josh. I want you to see my servant, Joshua. Do you see that? He's commending his own people. Don't you long to have the commendation of God. Many of us, as we think about Father's Day, as, as Sam mentioned so well in Gentry, that that brings up a lot of feelings, doesn't it? Sometimes it can bring good feelings because remember that our fathers commended us. Maybe in their words, maybe what they said, maybe both, what they did. But then it also can be painful if we don't feel like our fathers commended us on this day, right? We long to have the commendation of our fathers. My dad and I actually, as I was reflecting on this, we had a very hard relationship when I was growing up. We were not close at all when I was a kid. And I was reflecting back on that. And some of that when I was younger, I, I would say that was more his responsibility. But then as I got older, I say it was more mine in the way that I treated him and the way I reacted to him. But one of the cool things is that when I became an adult, moved out of the house and then came to Christ, that helped a lot. Then, then I was a lot less of a jerk. And, and then our relationship got better when we were adults. Like that was very cool. But actually, the last time that I interacted with my father in person was at graduation of Covenant Seminary in 2011. 
My parents were in, uh, there's, I'm in that picture. You can guess which one is me. The, <laughs> the tan one, right? But um, my parents were living in Alabama. I'm living in Baltimore. And we came here for graduation. But my parents were talking about, you know, what should we give him for graduation? And my dad said, let's give him $1,000. Right? You know, dad, would, he's got four kids. They can, they can use that, right? Let's, let's give him $1,000 as a graduation present. And my mom said, no, you know what we should do. Let's drive there and be there with them for graduation. And they're going back and forth. They can't decide what to give me. And so they asked me. They called me. They say, look, do you, would you rather have the $1,000 or would you rather have us, us come there and be there with you for graduation? And y'all know what I said. Both. <laughs> right? And my dad said, No. So I said, y'all come, man. And so they came. And so they were there with us for our graduation. And I said that was the last time that I, I interacted with him in person because later that year, my father died. And actually, I got a call. Um, it was on a Tuesday. I will never forget it. And I flew out that Tuesday, and I was with them the last five days of his life. But he was never conscious there. But it's interesting, afterwards, I was talking with my mom about this. And my dad is very quiet. There's lots of things he, he didn't say. But one of the things my mom told me is she said, you know what, Thurman, your dad actually had started working on a, a doctorate of ministry degree when you guys were really little. But then the challenges of, you know, of, of ministry and, and, and the everything that was going on, he never finished it. And so for him to be there when I got my doctorate of ministry degree, it was an amazing source of pride in a good way for him. He was sharing in that with me. He was there to commend me. And can I say to you all today that your father in heaven is a father who commends you by faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Now, the cool thing about you is, is, is he can say, well, do you want my grace or do you want my presence with you? You don't have to choose because he'll give you both. You get all of the above. He gives you his grace and he gives you his presence with you and he commends you. Now, listen, let me tell you something about these people. Then we'll go to the last part. As we go through each person that's in this list, you know what you're going to see? is all those people in this list had haters. All of them. You'll see next week, Abel got killed by his own brother. Right? Noah's got all his neighbors talking bad about him because he's out in the middle of nowhere, not near body of water, building an ark. They're like, man, you crazy. Right? Think about Abraham and Sarah and all that they went through and the, the things that people said about them. Sarah's maidservant is ridiculing her because she wasn't able to have children. Think about Moses, right? Anybody know what it feels like to be rejected in two cultures? You get rejected by the dominant culture and you get rejected by your own culture. He knows exactly what that feels like. All of them had haters and so will you if you're following Jesus. But you know what else? All of them had failures too. Every one of them. You can look at their lives because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Abraham had an affair with his maidservant. 
Noah gets drunk. Moses kills a man trying to be his own deliverer. David, you know, all kinds of stuff with him, right? Rahab was a prostitute. Samson was, good Lord, he's a sexual addict, and he's in this list. All of those things that you might have done, where you say, there's no way that God would ever commend me, it's in that list. And the wild thing is the way that they're identified is not by their worst sin. Do you see that? Do you hear me today? They're not identified by their worst sin. That's not how they're known here. They're known as people of faith. Through all the things that they did wrong, all their failures, all their sin, all their dysfunction, all of that, they're known and they're commended by God. Well, won't he commend you too? He's not condemning them, but he's commending them. If you're in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. God's word is so good that it sounds like I'm at the end, but I still got one more point. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen, but it's, it's not going to be as long. But let's talk about what, <laughs> well, yes, it is. That's all right. What faith does. <laughs> so we've talked about, what we talked about was what faith is. And then we talked about what faith receives, right? The commendation of God. The last thing we want to look at is what faith does. And what I mean by that is faith works itself out in action. You will see that, right? Some of y'all know that quote, we're saved by grace alone, but or, we're saved by, faith, by grace through faith alone. But faith that saves is never alone. It's accompanied by actions. It's demonstrated in how we live. Look at verse 3. And here's the first event that we're going to talk about. It's the event of creation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. This first example here is not a person. It's about creation by faith. Remember, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. And what that's referring to, you can go to that next verse. How does the Bible start? In the beginning, God, and what did God do? He created the heavens and the earth. And you know that word that's translated created, it's not used by anybody else except God. It's only used by God. He created the heavens and the earth. And we go back to our verse again. How did he do that? First, it tells us by the word of God, by his very word. Remember in the call to worship, we were hearing that and how he brought these things into being. Go to, um, we'll look at one of those verses in Genesis 1. How did light come? Because what? God said, let there be light. And there was light. And if you keep on going all the re through the rest of this chapter, verse 6, verse 9, verse 12, verse 14, verse 17, verse 19, verse 22, all of those verses, God said, and these things come into being. There's one more in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps 
on the earth. He speaks, oops, into being people made in the image and likeness of God to have dominion over everything else that he's already spoken into being. Look at God. That's how amazing God is. Listen, there's people that are powerful, right? And you say, oh, if they just say the word, then something happens. Listen, I can say, let there be light. And what has to happen for there to be light? Somebody got to get up and go turn it on, right? But God says, let there be light, and there is. By the power of his word. Why is that significant? If God can create the universe through the power of his word, can God order your own life by the power of his word? If God can raise dead people to life by the power of his word, won't he be able to raise you from death to life by the power of his word? If Jesus can heal by the power of his word, then won't he bring healing in your own life through the power of his word? Now let's go back to verse 3. One more thing in there. It says he created by the word of God. But then look at the end. It says, so that what is seen was not made out of things that were visible. Isn't that wild? God cre- There's a Latin phrase called ex nihilo. That means God created out of nothing. Now, I have some incredibly creative kids, and they're able to create these beautiful things. You can put up that first picture. So both my oldest son and my youngest son were amazing at the little, I'm, I'm talking about the tiny Legos. I'm not talking about the big ones. Right? I mean the little tiny ones that would build things like this. And then my other son, Josh, you can use, that's one of his creations he's been working on. Amazing works of art. But as ma- amazing as my children are, they can't create out of nothing. But God did. And God is able to. And that's what he did. And this is what faith does. The action here, if you can put verse 3 back. Go there, thank you. It says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen is not made out of what was visible. The action is that we believe that God created out of nothing and that God did so by the power of his word. So how do you apply that? Now, See, now we're at the end. This is the conclusion. I'm getting ready to close as they say. Amen. First of all, the first application, right, is to join the choir. We've heard this before. Now go to that Revelation passage. How do you respond to a God who speaks everything into existence by the power of his word? Worthy are you, O our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Can anybody give God praise today? Does anybody know that God is worthy to receive glory and honor and power because he created all things. By his will they existed and they were created. So stay in that choir giving praise to God. But here's another application and this is the only other one we got time for. Treat this world like it matters. Treat this world like it matters because it does you know if you go back and look at Genesis it's interesting and look at and study the the nations around Israel at the time right and they had all these different myths 
about how the world was created. And in all the other ones, it was interesting. You know, people were kind of the, the leftover. They were the garbage. Or they were there to take care. They, in other words, they were nothing. They were an afterthought. And they were treated that way. Now, who is the original audience of Genesis? Who's the original audience who's first reading Genesis? Who's that? Israelites, right? The Israelites win. Coming out of slavery. So 400 years, they've been in slavery. And then they had a Juneteenth where they got set free, didn't they? And God set them free, but now they're getting to find out you're not an afterthought. You're not garbage. You're made in the image and likeness of God. That's who you are. You're not a piece of property. You're not three-fifths of a man. You're made in the image and likeness of your creator who spoke this world into existence. That's who you are. Do you hear me today? That's who you are. I don't care what everybody said about you. I don't care about the names they called you. I don't care about your past, your failures, what you've been through. Do you know who you are today? You're made in the image of God. That's who you are. You're God's image bearer. And so is your neighbor. So is your enemy. They're also made in the image of God. This creation that he has placed us in to have dominion over. What did I say? Treat this world like it matters. Pastor Ann pointed out something, I think it was two weeks ago, in that Genesis passage, at the end of each day, it would look at what God did and it said it was good. All the things that he created. But on that, at the end of the sixth day, after he made male and female in the image of God, what did it say at the end of that day? Not just that it was good, but it was what? Very good. But you're here and you say, well, wait, how can this be very good? When I look around me and look at what's happening in the world, how can you say it's very good? When I look at my own community and, and look at the suffering and the injustice and all that's going on here, the brokenness, whatever, how can you say that it's good? When I look in my own house, when I look in my own life, how can you say then, Pastor, that it's very good? Well, Genesis 3 answered that, it answers that because that's where sin entered the picture. And how did the enemy get them to sin? He got them to doubt in what? The goodness of God. Right? Do you remember what pleases God when we believe that he is real and that he's good? And the enemy, in all of our sin, honestly, he gets us to doubt the goodness of God, doesn't he? He's like, God's not really for you. Go ahead and get yours. You need to take it for yourself. God's not for you. Go ahead and do your own thing. God's not answering your prayer. You take matters into your own hands. But the good news is that even there in Genesis 3, when things were seemingly ruined forever, God says, don't worry because I'm sending somebody. I'm sending somebody who is going to be wounded, but he's going to crush the head of your enemy. I'm sending somebody who's going to make things right. I'm sending somebody who's going to make you able to live by faith. And who's the somebody? None other than Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. 
who for the joy set before him, you'll see that in Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame. And where is he at now? Seated at the right hand of the throne of God, where he lives to intercede for you, to pray for you, that you might live by faith. Isn't that wild? The one who in the beginning was the Word and was with God and was God. The one who is the Word who became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He had his flesh bruised, but not for his transgressions because he doesn't have any, but for ours. And he was crushed for us. Why? So that we might be able to have life and be able to live by faith. What about you? What about you today? How is he calling you to step out in faith? Is he calling you to himself? Have you been letting that call go into voicemail and being like, oh, I'll get it later? He's calling you now. Bless you. Maybe there's some that feel like giving up today. Maybe there's some that are just tired. You're like, I'm with Jesus, I'm, but I'm tired right now. I'll, I'm not even tired. I'm tired. I, I'm too tired to pronounce the R in there. I need him to help me. And he will. And he will. Won't he do it? This is what it looks like to live by faith. This is what faith is. This is what faith receives. And this is what faith does. Let's pray. Thanks for listening, and God bless.